0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com breadbox. Wow. Finally on, my fellow truth seekers, welcome to Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meets, where truth, life, and love are one, bringing a little sanity into our age of insanity, a little life into our culture of death. Thank you for hanging on tonight. We are live here, usually from 10 to 11 because of extenuating circumstances. We're starting a little late, and we will probably end also a little late. But we do still have a wonderful, wonderful show for you tonight. And that is because we have a wonderful guest that's going to be joining us very shortly via the telephone, Dr. Janet Smith. And uh, she is the creator of the talk, Contraception Why Not?, which went viral even before the Internet was around by way of CD cassettes and pamphlet. And she's the author of the bombshell book, Humana Vitae, A Generation Later, which was written for the 25th anniversary of Humanae back in 1991. And for those of you who are not Catholic or do not know what Humanae is, we will talk about that and why it's so important to, to everybody in our day and age. And uh, Dr. Smith is also the professor of... Uh, theology uh, moral theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit internationally renowned and one of the more important authors and speakers of our day. Did I do her justice? John Tudoris who is
1: beside me in the studio. Almost you forgot one thing. She also also teaches I think a class at my school which is Holy Apostles. Oh she teaches at your school also? Yeah it's uh, online (laughs) adjunct but yeah Wow.
0: Well, did you have a class with her? Not yet. Not yet, but you hope to.
1: Perhaps. You were
0: in the master's uh, program of philosophy, and uh, now you are starting the master's in theology over there.
1: Correct. Correct. My concentration will be uh, dogmatic theology. So if I have room in the electives, uh, then yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Fantastic. You ready? You ready to have her? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Dr. Janet Smith, are you with us?
2: I am, finally. My apologies.
0: Oh, and ours, too. Actually, there was a, a minor league baseball game on this radio station right before, so we were going to start about five or ten minutes late anyway. But thank you very much for joining us. It's an honor to have you.
2: It's good to be here.
0: Great. Now, you, as I, as I introduced you, you, uh, you have a name, of course, for uh, being a uh, staunch defender, of the Catholic Church, of Pope Paul VI, and the Church's teaching on contraception. And if I could, if, I, if we could take the hour here to do the first half on how contraception has affected us and our world today, and maybe the second part on Humanae itself. Does that sound okay? It's fine with me. Fabulous. Um, okay, let's see. Contraception is um, why don't we first begin with how it affects women's health
2: yeah that's an excellent question and it's amazing how few women know uh, what is really happening to their bodies when they're taking any of the hormonal contraceptives and these any of the chemical contraceptives nor plant yes the pill uh, all use hormones synthetic forms of the natural forms of hormones that women have in their bodies. Our hormones are very much a part of us. I actually have a talk that's called Hormones Are Us. And a woman has a very complicated cycle, actually. She has four, every woman has, we have four major um, fertility hormones. Two of them help us to ovulate every month, and two of them build up a nice surface in the uterine wall, in the yeah that's going to receive any new little baby who is conceived. And if you had a chart in front of us, you would see that this is like hills and valleys, and they crisscross during the months. And any woman, really, and most women can sense this, we're different chemically every day of the month. <laughs> we're not the same person. And I always make the joke that we don't know who we are until we talk to somebody, and it's usually some male. And we won't know whether we're the sweetest person on the face of the earth or possibly a real shrew. And, and it's a really chemical matter.
0: And this is why, for tra- traditionally, there's been a joke about you know um, about the uh, women changing their mind all the time and all that kind of stuff because they are hormonally hormonally different every day.
2: We are hormonally different every day of the month, and men are hormonally exactly the same every day of the month. And so, if you wonder why men are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and mm-hmm. women are incredibly
3: complicated, <laughs>
2: complicated, exactly. Yeah. So that these hormones are very important for women in many respects. They, and I'll talk a bit more about that later. But mm-hmm. what the what researchers discovered was that a way to help a woman be infertile uh, would be to suppress her fertile hormones, the hormones especially that cause her to ovulate every month. Because mm-hmm. if a woman doesn't ovulate, she can't get pregnant. If there's no egg there to be impregnated by a sperm, yep. and she can't get pregnant. So what they've done is they put They've put into a woman's body the hormones that are present when she's pregnant, not the real hormones, synthetic forms, artificial forms, steroids, actually. These are steroids that they put in a woman's body. She takes a pill every day or she uses some other form of chemical contraceptive, and she's suppressing her normal uh, hormones. She's not in any normal state. A woman is either supposed to be going through fertile cycles or be pregnant during the fertile phase of her life.
0: And this makes her body think it's pregnant. Is that it? It's a what? This um, it
2: makes a body think it's pregnant. It's It's kind of a woman's in a state of pseudo pregnancy for the period of time that she's using any chemical contraceptives. She's not in any normal state, and so these um, hormones have all sorts of effects on women. That the minor these are considered by minor by doctors that a woman has um, more irritability, is more prone to depression has a, a greater uh, chance of weight gain, mm-hmm. and has a lower libido, right, a lower sex drive. So a woman is taking the chemical contraceptives, one supposes, to enable her to have sex, but it reduces her sex drive. Why is that? Right? Uh, because a woman has a lower sex drive when she's pregnant. Uh, Evolutionarily speaking, there's no, there's no need for a woman to have a desire to have sex because a desire to have sex, as far as evolution is concerned, is a desire to propagate a species. But if you're already pregnant, there's no no need for that. Is it also now,
0: true that it, it creates an imbalance in the pheromones and men are not as attractive to them at that time and they're not attracted to the right kind of men when they're in that state?
2: Yes, it's a fascinating thing. This is something that's only been discovered in about the last 20, 25 years. This is not something that Pope Paul VI knew when he wrote uh, Humanae Vitae. Anybody just, they should, people should, women should do this, just type in contraceptives and pheromones yeah. and um, relationships. What happens is that, again, you think speak evolutionarily. Men are much more attracted to women who are having fertile cycles. Um, this has been proven by all sorts of tests on the animal kingdom and are uh, they're very interesting Are uh, that there was there's a book called a uh, Lionel by a book man named Lionel Tiger called the decline of males And he talks about a famous study that, that he and some of his um, colleagues did To they had a group of monkeys on a island and the the chief monkey that they named um, Austin had three chose three of the female monkeys to be his exclusive sexual partners And then they gave a shot of Depo-Provera to the females, and Austin lost all interest in the females. And then they they gave shots of Depo-Provera to all the females of the tribe, and all the males stopped having sexual uh, play with the the women or intercourse and began to act in a turbulent and confused fashion.
3: Interesting.
2: They they removed the women from the Depo-Provera, and the male monkeys resumed their their usual sex lives.
0: Now, you attribute this to pheromones that we unconsciously sense or smell in the opposite sex?
2: That's right. Pheromones are received through our olfactory nerves, through the sense of smell. Though they don't have a scent, you don't know that you're um, receiving them. Mm. Another fascinating study, which goes precisely to the point that you're talking about, they had a group of human males sitting in a room looking at pictures of supermodels. and. They rated them for their attractiveness, and, of course, they rated them very attractive. And then they showed them pictures of ordinary females and put in the room something that was soaked with female fertile hormones, right? So the men were making an association between these pictures and what they were receiving through their um, olfactory nerves. Mm-hmm. And they found the ordinary women more attractive than the supermodels.
3: <laughs> right? Interesting.
2: So Interesting. So it just makes me sad to think of women spending millions of dollars on makeup and clothing and everything and then using contraceptives, which are bad for them in yeah. many respects, but also turning them off from them.
0: That's absolutely right? amazing. We we think that we're attracted simply by sight, but that's not really the
2: case. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, hmm. the, these pheromones are very important. And one, hand, one time I was in Kansas giving a talk, and he came up to me and he said, he said he said, "Listen, you don't need to tell us that in Kansas." He said, right. "We all we all know that in Kansas if we have a, a bull in a pen, and a and a cow that is a mile away, and there's three fences in between. When she's fertile, he will get there." <laughs> okay, so yes. um that that, that that those who know the animal kingdom know this very well. They actually have people are now having parties that are called pheromone parties, where men men and women. In fact, this, as I you mentioned, that women choose different types of men um, well, they're whether on they're the on contraceptive yeah. or not on contraceptives. And they, they did a famous t-shirt test, which these parties are kind of mimicked after, where they had two groups of females, one who was contraception, contracepting, and the other that was not. And then they had the males wear a t-shirt for a day. And at the end of the day, the women smelled the t-shirts. And women are very attracted to men on a, on a basis of smell. Many women will tell you that the way a man smells is very important to them, hmm. and the women the women who were using contra oh, these men were rated I don't know exactly how they did it I think health and aggressiveness and that sort of thing accomplishments men were rated for their sort of evolutionary desirability and the women who were uh, not contracepting chose men at the top of the rating of their evolutionary desirability, hmm. and the women who were contracepting chose the men at the lower levels of Evolutionary desirability. So, you know, our bodies are designed to help us, strangely enough, make good choices. And there's even evidence yeah. that if um, that women who are not contracepting are more likely to choose men with whom they can reproduce, right? right that they're going to have a higher possibility of fertility of, of having children mm. uh, with men. So, that, and there's many other studies uh, that are fascinating now that. Um, Women who use contraception are more suicidal. Um, That's partly the depression, I'm sure, that comes with um, the hormones. And and you mentioned health. There's greater incidence of um, some forms of cancer, greater incidence of heart attacks and strokes uh, for women who are using uh, hormonal contraceptives. I'm always talking about the hormonal contraceptives. Of course, the the big other contraceptive is uh, the condom which actually deprives women of something that's very important in in sexual intercourse which is the the um male semen contains in it proteins that a woman's body can absorb hmm. and that when she absorbs those she has a better sense of well-being yes right so so there's all these interesting
0: there are a lot of
3: chemical about factors
2: that. that we're interfering with um, right. by using uh, contraceptives
0: if i could just go back uh, a half a step um, are you saying to, you know, to just to clarify that women who are on the pill, generally, as studies indicate, they would generally be more attracted to uh, men that aren't as uh, procreatively um, uh, suited for them, more like that's right, more that's like right. family members rather than spouses.
2: Well, they say people have done this by looking at movie stars. They've done a study of of male movie stars over decades, and it showed that before the pill appeared, it was much more masculine men. John Wayne and, and, um, you know, (laughs) his sort, uh, very masculine men who were movie stars. And now they say there's kind of wimpy movie stars, Uh, 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 Johnny Depp and even... Brad Pitt at times. So the look is, is not a really, really strong masculine look.
0: And that brings us to another question here relating to the environment. Um, I'm sure you've heard of um, all of the, uh, the hormones uh, and chemicals that go into perhaps our drinking water. Tell us about some of the uh, studies that you know of regarding fish and the feminization okay. of fish. <laughs>
2: And yeah, what that means I, I for really us. I highly recommend that your listeners go to yeah. Google and just just type in contraception, estrogen, fish. Yeah. If they want to get it really more precise, they could put in Boulder, Colorado. But it's been found all over the world. It's been found in the United States and in England and in Africa uh, that fish apparently can change their gender even as developed adults uh, if they get enough of um, the opposite uh hormone in their systems okay. and in Boulder Colorado there's a study that's done that up upstream from a, a sewage plant the percentage of, of male to female fish is pretty much 50 okay. 50. Downstream from the sewage plant where a lot of estrogen is dumped into the system because of contraception and plastics that have estrogen in them
3: okay.
2: that the rate is closer to 80 female to 20 males
3: right
2: so 50 50 upstream male and female downstream where they're absorbing into their body estrogen the males fish turn and become female fish and then they have a few you know intersex fish that you can't identify which one they are so there's been a huge decline in male f- human male fertility over the last several decades yeah no one can quite put their finger on them but it seems to me research w- researchers would be foolish not to be looking at contraception as a possible source
0: and seeping into our drinking water. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, John, you have any thoughts at this point? Uh, no, I'm actually listening. Okay. The um, contraception. Can I, mention, I,
2: mention, I want to mention yeah, one more please. thing about the um, the bad environmental uh, effects of contraception. And okay. You know, people talk now about carbon footprints and i want i want people to think about the carbon footprints of contraception the estrogen is not biodegradable right so it it, uh it doesn't break down easily in the environment and then just think of all of the packaging like for condoms and you can look on again google images and just look at Put condoms and beaches and places like that, and just as condoms everywhere and plastics that, that um, again, contraceptives are chemical contraceptives are packaged in. So there's all sorts of ways in, it, in which it's very environmentally um, unfriendly, and not to mention, as we already have, the delicate. Um, ecological system that is a woman's body. Yes. That we we think it's foolish to, to dump chemicals into our food, into our air, mm. um, into our water supply, and we're new, doing that with contraceptives. But women are also doing to the delicate ecological system that is our own bodies.
0: Isn't it amazing that it seems like, generally speaking, the people who are so ecology conscious. Um, don't care about the body ecology of women. They seem to be the ones that are most for the contraceptive movements.
2: It's it's very strange that you go to the supermarkets and places where, you know, supposedly environmentally sensitive people shop like Whole Foods and you get organic this, organic that, and they only want to buy organic. And then they're putting into their own systems day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, something that is a, a massive chemical assault on their own system. And just, I mean, the sense of it is, that a woman having fertile cycles is a healthy woman, right? A woman yeah. who is not having uh, fertile cycles is there's something wrong with her system. Right? And we we generally take a pill when we're sick, and um, these pills, the hormonal contraceptives, in a sense, turn a woman into an unhealthy person, into a person who is not having fertile mm-hmm. fertile cycles.
0: Right by definition they they you know they say that or at least a lot of people are saying that contraception and the pill particularly should be covered in health care uh it is not health care it seeks to impede and damage the system it doesn't seek to cure or heal
2: yeah that's right and and no one really knows how long it takes a woman's body to recover mm. how long it really does take the body to recover her fertility, let's say after she has um uh, use of contraception some people use circle boomerang effect that there would somehow be more eggs that would be released but it's quite the opposite it's harder for a woman to get pregnant um after she's been on contraceptives, and it's possible I, I mentioned the low sex drive that it's possible that it never returns to the levels uh, that were there well, before
0: it's interesting um it's there's so many uh, infertile people today and um uh, a lot of people don't know why. We might be hearing some of those reasons right now.
2: I... Well, some, of the, some of the, there's other influences of contraception on the, the phenomena of infertility. Mm. Women are much more fertile in their 20s than in their 30s. Yes. And women are, are delaying uh, childbearing until their 30s. So they already have a great reduced fertility, natural fertility, by the time they hit um their 30s. Another is that that people are engaging in sex outside of marriage and they're acquiring sexually transmitted diseases. And sexually transmitted diseases uh, can cause lesions in a woman's Mm. system, in the fallopian tube, in the uterus. And if the new embryo should find itself wanting to um, implant uh, somewhere in the uterus, it may not be able to because of some scar tissue uh, that is there. And so there's there's different ways in which... um, contraception facilitates um, infertility.
0: And, of course, contraception, uh, you know, the contraception revolution, commonly known as the sexual revolution, really inaugurated the premarital sex culture that you're talking about right now. So, of course, uh, contraception is involved in this. Let me just give our phone number here, 978-454-4980. If you want to um, talk with Dr. Janet Smith, tonight. Uh, for, uh, 978-454-4980 is our phone number here at BTS Radio. Paul Morano with my uh, in-studio um, co-host John Tudoris tonight. On again with Dr. Janet Smith. And we have actually a phone call. Laurie from Burlington. Welcome to Beneath the Surface.
4: Oh, hello. Thank oh. you, uh, Dr. Smith for um, for your insight and Paul for having her on the show. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. What do you got? So I'm just um, a couple of things, but um, mostly just observances um, and then your thoughts on uh, the the effects on fish. um, You know, I I guess the question would be who would really care about that in this selfish world um, where they just, you know, most people get into relationships and, um, you know, winning winning the the man let's just say um the it's the woman in this case who who is more likely on birth control um is the more important thing for them um i and these are scientific facts that that number 1 how do you get them out there so that people care um and 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 who honestly who really would care so much about the effects on fish. I think they would care more about the effects on dogs or cats. Well, or
3: Laurie, no, let me let me clarify this. It's a
4: good, good it, point. It is. Uh,
0: let me just clarify ahead. the question for Dr. Yeah. Smith. Are you are you asking why we would care about fish? I mean, Where, no, the, the I point no. I think I mean, the it's point deeper the,
4: than that, the but point Dr. Smith like, was well, making I can
2: make this an important fact. that
0: if if fish are being affected, then human males too are maybe there's a high chance but, but that they're being even affected. So, i
2: mean i I understand your point i yeah. i'm not I'm not certain that w- that argument alone would be sufficient to convince anybody not to contracept right but it, it, it's a part of a whole vision about how uh, contraceptives are an assault on what is natural, all right, and it has very bad consequences. i mean it, 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 and, uh, I can't imagine convincing any single person but I know there's all sorts of people who are worried about the environment and there's actually whole fish populations in danger of dying out um, because of this and so we talk about the necessity of preserving species etc etc you want to say well we've got to take some we we can't just sort of put this off and say it's of no importance but it's just to get people to understand that we're dumping chemicals into the environment and one of those environments is a woman's body and where many of these women are very careful again about buying organic vegetables organic fruit because they realize that putting alien chemicals in their body can cause all sorts of damage cancer among them well that's exactly what the uh, the chemical contraceptives do
4: Yeah, I am, and I, I'm not going to get me back on track if I if I get off topic here. But, <laughs> but um, you know, if they care so much about those things, and understanding that you know some contraceptions can also cause um, abortion, I, I'm literally sitting here watching television, and on national ABC television, that I forget what the ad was, but it's about oh, if you forget to take your your pill before, then you can take this within three days afterward, and you won't have any worries. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they saying here? You know, it's 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 killing, it's potentially, right, killing what has already formed, in this case, a baby. So if people care so much about those other living creatures, that's great education, but how do you educate them on on, you know, the potential killing of an actual baby inside of them just from taking contraception?
2: right and and the the spectrum of women that that need to be convinced is huge Um, Mm. but for instance among um, evangelical Protestants many of them are profoundly pro-life but not opposed to contraception but when they hear um, that contraception can cause Early term abortions, then all of a sudden they they say, "Wait a second, we need to rethink this." Mm. And so there might there might be a whole lot of women who again could care less. They're already pro abortion; it doesn't bother them that contraception causes an early term abortion. Mm. But there are a lot of pro life people who are using contraception, and if they knew that about it, it would make a difference. And it's important again to understand how that happens. Uh, one of the ways it happens is by so I mentioned. Earlier, women have these various uh, hormones in their bodies, and one set of hormones uh, thickens every month the endometrium in a woman's body that is going to be the new home for any conceived, new, newly conceived human being. And if she's using a contraceptive, uh, that can thin that uterine wall. It doesn't turn out to be the nice, thick, rich uterine wall that a baby can implant in. And so the, she may be conceiving and not even know that she's conceiving and flushing out that new little human being or embryonic human being um, in, in the course of, of bleeding.
0: Without even knowing but, it, that she was pregnant at all.
2: Not, not even yeah. knowing that she, uh, she was pregnant. Now you're talking about the, the morning after pill, which can work in two different ways. It depends on when a woman takes it. There are, there are if a woman has not yet ovulated, um, those, a massive dose of hormones might might serve to um, prevent her from ovulating hmm. and if she's pre- she doesn't ovulate she can't get pregnant right. but there's and there is a debate how it works if it's post-ovulation and there's, again there's only a short period of time uh, a woman only get to get only pregnant for only 12 hours a month an egg right. lives in her body for only 24 hours and there's only a 12 hour period where she can get pregnant but if she has gotten pregnant and some there's again a debate about this but there are many uh, good uh, scientists who think that if she takes one of those massive doses of hormones after she has conceived it could in fact um, harm the embryo itself or again attack the endometrium nobody quite knows how it's all working but it's it's perfectly uh, plausible within the science of what we know about how these chemicals work on a woman's system that they that in fact may be happening
4: okay well it's um i'm gonna i'm gonna sign off now and continue to listen um i think that's something that science will figure out uh eventually and probably soon because they seem to be able to figure everything else out if only people would
2: listen (laughs) and and laurie it is it is is hard to do because you, you really can't sort of go into a woman's body and look at that happening right um so anyway it's it's but it's all sorts of theories are, are out there. There's a National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly a couple years ago had a series of articles, both by very faithful Catholics, some who think that the morning after pill does operate as an abortifacient and others saying that it doesn't. But we do know that the hormonal contraceptives that most women take um, can be an, uh, an abortifacient by thinning the endometrium.
0: Thank you, Laurie, and uh, spread, the, spread the truth.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. I'll Thanks keep, for keep calling. listening. God bless. You too. All right.
0: Nine seven eight 978-454-4980 is our phone number. We're talking to the great uh, Dr. Janet Smith, author of Humanity Vitae, A Generation Later, and of the uh, of the talk, um, Contraception, Why Not? And she is giving some uh, a whole slew of um, reasons why not. Um, and all of them so far have been non-religious reasons. Uh, Because, um, you know, if something is unnatural and it does violate natural law, it is going to violate our own human nature. And, obviously, nobody can become happy doing that. It looks like we have another phone call. You want to take another one, Dr. Smith? Sure. Are you there? Fantastic. (laughs) Kathleen from Hudson, you're on beneath the surface.
5: Hi. Janet, it's so nice to hear you on the phone locally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you um, Yeah, I was just Okay, I think this is a common um, I don't know what what to say A common narrowing um, That occurs in our society About the word contraception I realize that most people Use hormonal contraception Or at least that's what I think is true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But there are a lot of other forms of contraception and I'm just wondering, um, you know, like your your um, CV is contraception, why not? And I would expect that to be an overall discussion about, you know, IUDs, diaphragms, the
4: pills, mm-hmm.
5: et cetera. And um, so I'm just wondering if there's something that you might be able to say to people of why these other forms of contraception would sure. not be... Um, Great for you either
3: good question,
5: yeah, it's a good question
2: and I, I mean I' always I have so many things to say it's always hard to get them all in um yes. but oh yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and the, what I've said before about i, I already mentioned uh, how the, the condom first of all it has about a fifteen to eighteen percent um uh, uh, failure rate that's huge right that's huge fifteen percent chance of getting pregnant. Right uh, over the course of a year, if you use use a condom, and it's much much higher for um, young teenagers than it is for older married women, uh, because young people are in a hurry (laughs) and they don't always put the condom on right and they don't don't do things right. So what is it actually for cohabiting teenagers? There's a 48 percent failure rate uh, for the condom. Uh, That the diaphragm is somewhere <clears throat> in the same uh, vicinity, a somewhat lower failure rate. Again, almost nobody likes to use it. It's messy. Um, it has to be inserted at a certain point of time. It can be unpleasant as far as having a, a nice, spontaneous lovemaking, or uh, word that it were lovemaking, sex-having uh, session. Uh, I mentioned how the condom uh, deprives a woman of the uh, protein benefits that are in the semen that give us a woman uh, an incredible sense of uh, well-being that she should be receiving um, from the sexual act. But I want to even talk about these, mari- these, these um, methods of contraception are called barrier methods, barrier methods, and I think that psychologically is very important the act of sexual intercourse is, is meant to be an act where you give of yourself to another person and give of yourself in quite a unique and wonderful way. Um, obviously, there's nakedness, there's vulnerability, there's the possibility of having a child. All these are huge things, huge things. And now you're putting a barrier between yourself and this other person. And if this is a person you love, it's why would you want a barrier put in place? In fact, you know, it just sounds like, and even spermicide, a spermicide is used when you're using a, a diaphragm, and a spermicide is something that kills the sperm. So it's, it's against the beginning of a new life, a new you and me, a new something that we could bring about that nobody else could bring about, something of hostility that's written right into contraception. The IUD is, I mean, most of you Even look at them. They're, they're, you know, gnarled little metal little things that a woman puts in her body. And many places have been, um, for periods of time, outlawed because of the perforations that a woman can have by putting one of these in her uterus. Uh, Babies have been born with an IUD in their arm. Um, again, they work by creating kind of a hostile environment in the uterus. And, again, there's a debate whether that hostile environment is hostile to the sperm or whether it's hostile to a new fertilized human being, likely both, all right? So the word hostile is very important there. If you read about the IUD, it's described as something that creates a hostile environment, think why are we having a hostile environment when we're in why are we trying to create a hostile environment in this incredibly intimate what should be a love making act so those those are the major objections to um the, the barrier methods. is that they are have a, a, a alarmingly high um failure rate and they defra- deprive women of something that women this condom does of something that she should have and they actually express hostility.
0: And they impede union, and they don't speak the language of love, do they?
2: Yes, we haven't really gotten there, but yes, that's. I'm, I'm staying on a very physiological basis here.
0: Uh, are you all set, Kathleen? Or
5: I am. Thank you very much. I'll continue to listen.
0: Thanks a lot. God, thanks, thank you. God bless
5: Bye. Nine seven eight four
0: five four forty nine eighty again is the BTS hotline. Paul Morano here with uh, John Tudorus in the studio, talking with Dr. Janet Smith um, of Humane Vitae fame, and we'll get to Humana Vitae in a moment. But John, did you have something to say?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, one thing that struck me through this all is that why is it that so many people are seem to be, despite all the negative effects of contraception on women and what it does to the relationship between the woman and the man, and consequently the family, uh, why why do people still do so? And then you look at sports, for example, and, and people, uh, they lampoon anyone who's taking performance-enhancing drugs, right? I mean, the big scandal that happened in baseball, even when they weren't illegal, and uh, you get all these players who did supposedly great things, and they're not even going to get in the Hall of Fame, because they were suspected of
0: "quote unquote" mm. cheating. Yeah, in a sense, we're cheating nature and impeding human life.
1: Right. And, yeah. But perhaps, so we don't care. Perhaps maybe I don't know. Is that uh, uh, Dr. Smith? Do you see that as a perhaps a sign of times? Oh, really it's, a, it's a great sports a great over the fundamental nature of the family.
2: It, well, we can get to that, but just uh, what you're saying about males and steroids—really, it's not just that they're cheating. All right. It's bad for them. Yeah. It's very bad for a man's body to be taking steroids, right? And I have a friend who is a doctor, an oncologist, um, who's written has a pamphlet that says, You wouldn't give steroids to the boys, why do you give them to the girls? Right? And it's it's a wonderful question and I will try to, to, to not get lost in this discussion here, but when they were first um trying to discover a pill for women, a contraceptive pill for women. They were also trying to find one for males, as they're still doing. They, you'll read headlines every now and then. It says, Male Contraceptive Pill Being Researched. And what they, what they found, and you can, this is not easy, uh, difficult to find, but it was a Dr. John Rock who was one of the major inventors of the contraceptive pill for women, and he tested them in Puerto Rico, right? very deliberately in Puerto Rico because there were poor Catholic women there. And he figured if he could get poor Catholic women excited about using contraception, he would have a wedge uh, against the church for speaking against contraception. Well, three women died in that first test group of women. Three women died in Puerto Rico. And when they came back, they simply adjusted the dosage of the hormones in the pill. When they were also, at the same time, basically, they were doing, again, a study for a male contraceptive pill. And one male... One male in the study group had some slight shrinkage of his testicles, and they stopped all testing on the male contraceptive pill because I would say that's intolerable, right? So what does this show us? It shows us that we think women's bodies and women's lives are meant to be in service of sex. And they, we should be willing to do all sorts of damaging things to our bodies, and even putting ourselves at risk of dying in hmm. order to be able to be available for sex. And that men won't do this kind of thing to their bodies. We won't give young boys steroids who want to build up their muscles. We say go to the gym,
3: right? right, right. But if a
2: girl if a girl comes in and a, and a doctor, and believe me, follow the money, follow the money. I mean, I heard a doctor who stopped... A gynecologist who stopped prescribing contraceptives and his income went down thirty thousand dollars a month. All right, thirty thousand dollars a month. So when a girl of childbearing age comes in into a doctor's office and she's not contracepting. He's going to make a mountain amount of money by prescribing contraceptives for anything—migraines, mm-hmm. acne, whatever. You know, oh, she's going to be sexually active but soon. Probably, might as well give her a contraceptive. There's a new book out, uh, and it's not that new, but it's been out for a year, a couple of years. Called "Sweetening the Pill." Sweetening the Pill, and it's about a, a woman who's now was in her thirties or early forties, and she was to, had taken the pill for 20 years. And then, then she started reading up on the side effects and she was appalled at the side effects and couldn't believe her doctor never really, um, drew these to her attention. And so she went off the the pill and found that she had a a whole different response to the world. She was a different person. And as I said, she was. She was chemically a different person. She was operating with the natural chemicals that her body produces rather than suppressing those um, natural hormones by synthetic chemical hormones. So doctors have been sold a bill of goods in um, medical school. They're told that there's that contraceptives is perfectly um, safe, and it's safer than pregnancy, and it's safer than this. And I mean, the number of sexually t- transmitted diseases that women get because of contraceptives, promiscuous sex that comes about with the availability of contraception, they, these things aren't factored into the whole picture, let alone all the social consequences. I and mean, I, I teach in Detroit. Eighty percent, 80 percent of the babies born in Detroit are born to single mothers. Now, this is, believe me, is not because they don't have access to contraception, right? It's it's because they're having sex outside of marriage and they get pregnant. And those children just don't have the brightest futures, right? They don't have the brightest futures, nor do the women. The women get locked into very low-paying jobs basically for the rest of their lives. The kids are raised without fathers in their lives, which is very bad. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so uh, we haven't even begun to look at the social consequences. But um,
0: I, I'm told that we have only four minutes left, believe it or not.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, in these four minutes, could I get your um, take on the imploding populations in the world, particularly the Western no. world? <laughs> because it's of contraception. Uh, this, it's just
2: four minutes for the first half performance for the whole
5: session?
0: Uh, Producer Cindy, is it it's for the whole thing? Yeah, uh, a whole we'll have
5: hour. One hour for your show.
0: A whole hour has gone by already. That is unbelievable.
2: It's unbelievable. So I want to use my four minutes. Yeah. To just explain the vision that the church has um, for sexuality. Awkward. Our culture talks about sex. It thinks of sex as being just sex. And it doesn't have any idea that sex should be um, connected to love or commitment or to babies. They think that love, commitment, and babies are something entirely different from sex. Sex is just a pleasurable activity that you can engage in with anybody that you can get consent to engage in it with you. And you don't have to be in love. You don't have to have made a commitment to each other. You don't have to be prepared to have children. And the the church understands that sex is a great gift that God has given human beings and it brings with it it brings with it great a, a great joy and a, another great gift which is the possibility of children that God made the whole world so as a support system for human beings and he, the the soul of every human being is destined for an eternal union with God and God wants babies all right so he's given that he's tied together this great physical attraction that male and female have for each other not only physical but psychological and spiritual we want someone of the other sex who is going to make us whole in a way bring something into our lives that we can't bring ourselves we can't make a baby by ourselves we can't a woman can't have in her life what a man can bring nor a man can have what a woman can bring but especially what they can bring to each other is a child, and this is a a gift that God gives to them that God wants given back to them. So every time a couple is engaging in an act of sexual intercourse, especially during the fertile time, they are essentially sending out an invitation to God to create a new human being, which it can only come if God does that. God creates every human soul. So that's, that's the heart and soul of what the church is talking about when it says that contraception is, violates the unitive and the procreative meaning of the sexual act. It's reduced sex to just sex as saying that it has a spectacular larger meaning.
0: It's interesting. A lot of people think contraception simply impedes the procreative meaning of sex. I think what you're also saying is that contraception impedes the unitive meaning of sex. Real union doesn't really occur with contraception.
2: Well, a momentary union occurs. A, 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 a union that is as long as the sexual act itself, yeah. which is can be very momentary. Um, and people get up and they leave and they go off and never see each other again, don't know each other's last name. But an act of sexual intercourse that is open to the possibility of children, it says something. Again, it's a language. It says. What does sex says. I... I find you very attractive. I'd like to experience this great pleasure with you and, and, and give you great pleasure. It also says, I love the way you. I love the way you walk and talk and your, your laugh and and your values. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I'm open to children with you. And what does that mean? If you say I'm open to children with another person, what does that say? I'm open to spending my whole life with you. And I want you to be the father or the mother of my children. That's the most most affirming thing that anybody can say to anyone else.
0: And it's interesting how the contraception revolution not only has caused uh, the abortion culture we have, but also the divorce culture, unfortunately.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: (sighs) Looks like we're out of time, Dr. Janet Smith. It was uh, a great pleasure having you on, though.
2: We'll have to do it again and spend the whole hour on the teachings of Humanae Vitae rather than the physical... And social consequences.
0: Well, I will try to contact you on that one, and I look forward to that. <laughs> That's
2: right. Thank you for your invitation. I'm sorry for my uh, uh, forgetting that I had an <laughs> interview tonight.
0: Oh, you're you're so, so you're so on demand. I can understand that.
2: All right. Well, All thank right. you so much.
0: Thank you. Bye bye. All
2: right. God bless. Bye.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to Beneath the Surface here at WCAP. Paul Morano signing off with uh, my co-host John Tudoris, and we will. See you again next week, same time, same channel. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.